Are you not having the success you want with your direct bookings? Perhaps you are tired of feeling like you are out of your depth and wish there was an easier way. Well, I've got an exclusive free training coming up that just might help. Join me on April 4th when I will share the top three mistakes that I consistently see vacation and short-term rental property managers make in their desire for direct bookings that could be costing you major profits. I will also be sharing my top tips in building your own direct booking sales engine that will bring in those direct bookings while you sleep. Come and join in the fun. Head to my website, directbookingsuccess.com, and click on the free training button to join me on April 4th, because you deserve your own direct booking success. You are listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you all the information you need for your short-term rental to stand out from the crowd. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the hospitality industry. I'm here to help, so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Direct Booking Success Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. And today I have the lovely Lisa Rhodes, the holiday property coach with me. Hi, Lisa. Great to have you here. Hi, Jen. So lovely to join you. So let's start with a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do. Okay. So Lisa Rhodes, as you said, I have been in the short-term rental business for probably an awful long time, over 20-something years. I started investing in properties when I was 22 on the advice of my father, who was very entrepreneurial. I initially started buying tiny little miners cottage up in the northeast of the UK um, with a very small budget. And it was a traditional buy to let. And then that was kind of how I got my foot in the market, in the property market. My father said, you'll never lose money on property, so you need to get on the property market. So I took his advice and I did. Um, And then as I met my husband and we started to live and work abroad internationally in the Middle East, we wanted to continue with our property investment so we didn't lose, you know, our our position in the property market. Yeah. So I started looking for other property investments and on the back of some business networking, actually, I met somebody who said, have you considered investing abroad in short-term rentals? And at that time I hadn't, Mm -hmm. but I decided to buy several off-plan apartments in Cyprus because uh, I looked, I did my homework and I thought there were some locations I thought were a bit high risk for me, but Cyprus, I pretty, you know, pretty, I knew quite a bit about Cyprus in terms of its law was very much based on British law. And so I did an inspection trip to Cyprus and I bought three off-plan properties in Cyprus. And of course, naively, you know, the market was very new. It hadn't, it hadn't really established yet. So we were very early doors in a very emerging market. And my properties came for completion. And at that point, I assumed like a lot of other owners that there would be all these services out there that were going to help me with my properties when, when I needed them. And mm-hmm. those, pro- those services didn't exist. So I actually had another business at the time. I, was, I had a marketing company at the time with a South African business partner, which was keeping me very busy. But the eternal entrepreneur in me saw an opportunity in a market in Cyprus to go, Okay, so if these services don't exist and I need them, there are lots of other people like me who are going to need these services too. So I just started with a very small part of the service, which was the interior design and furnishing of my own properties. 
And other people in the complex that also had bought saw what I was doing and said, can you help me with mine? And that's how it started. So I said, yes, of course. But, you know, the reality was that these these things just didn't really exist in Cyprus. There were no Ikeas or large department mm-hmm. stores or anything. So I struggled to begin with, to do anything at, at large scale, to even do my own. And mm-hmm. I started bringing Sorry to interrupt, but where were you living at the time? Were you doing this in the, all? In the, in the UK. I lived in the UK and our properties were in Cyprus. So yes, okay. I was doing it, traveling Remotely. between. Yep, I was doing it remote. Yeah. And Which going back to another well. layer, adds another layer of difficulty. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, I think I certainly appreciated what other owners were going to have to struggle with if I mm-hmm. was struggling with it. So I thought, well, you know, there's an opportunity to create this initial service. And I pulled together a load of local contractors, you know, your DIY people, your your electricians, all those kind of people to help me with mine. And eventually I thought, well, I could offer this service. And I ran it concurrently with my marketing business, actually. I just kind of started with this. this, I don't think at that stage I really had an idea about where it was going. I just knew there was opportunity to deliver a service to people. So that service was our investor complete service, which was we'll take an empty property, we'll interior design it for the right market, we'll furnish it, project manage that, and you'll have ready a completely furnished, ready-to-go product. Okay. But then the next thing came along and it was like, well, what do they do with it then? You know, if these people are working in the UK and they don't know the first thing about renting their properties out. And I was like, okay. So I actually tried a few local property management companies. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I wasn't very impressed. The standard of service was not what I wanted. So there I go again, thinking well, that's not what I want. Let's develop what we do want. So let's create a service that now is a management service. So that's what I did. And I initially started working with contractors to, to deliver this service, very small scale. And, and then it grew really quickly because the market was growing and I just kind of snowballed. This business just snowballed really fast. So I realized that working with contractors was never going to be a long-term solution. I had to start thinking about employing people. Yeah. So I was quite happy to do that. I already employed people in the UK, so I was quite happy to do that. So I started looking for some people to work with me. Then, I mean, we were literally into 60, 70 properties in about eight months. It was quite oh my quick. my goodness. That really was very quick. quick. And did because you have, you didn't have any, you had a property background, but the hospitality side of things and bookings and short chair rentals and all that, that was all new to you. Yeah, but I had a marketing background. Yes. So I had a marketing background, so I could apply the basics of marketing to anything I was doing. So I understood about, you know, ideal target market, communicating with those ideal clients, best means to find them, communicate to them. And at that time, I mean, bearing in mind, this is pre-Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a lot of people laugh. They're like, what? There was a life before Airbnb. And I, there really, really was a life before Airbnb or any of the other ones. So, you know, you're talking about sort of basic social media, building local relationships, collaborations, finding travel agencies and that kind of thing. But the rental marketing was the very last service that I layered on. I wanted to make sure we got the first parts of the service right, the management service, the looking after the properties, the acquiring the right properties, the contracting the commercials, that kind of thing. And then, the you know, really maintain, like proactive preventive maintenance was really key to the service I wanted to offer so that these owners had the reassurance and the confidence that we were absolutely going to take care of a very high value asset when they were a long way away from where that asset was. Mm -hmm. So we did that. 
And then I recognized that in order for this to be of any great value, there needed to be the rental bit of the equation because otherwise the machine didn't really work for the owners or for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the owners really didn't have a clue or the inclination to take on the rental marketing themselves. So with my marketing background, I said, okay, we'll layer on the rental marketing service. So we ended up doing an end-to-end fully managed property management rental marketing service. And we scaled that business over 18 years, 275 properties, very selected properties. I mean, this is the the thing I always say to people, it was not the scattergun, let's just take anything on. Whoever comes to me will just have your property. It was never that. It was about really knowing that we understood who our ideal client was. We knew what caliber of property we needed. We needed owners that were going to work with us to really deliver the product we needed to really buy into this has to be the right property, right place. It has to be furnished correctly, good inventory, and all the support we needed to offer that they completely supported us to deliver. So yeah, that that's kind of, and what I captured it about that because I, I didn't want to get to the point where I just took anything on. Mm-hmm. And I also, with the island of Cyprus, I started in the Paphos end of the island and I didn't expand until I had feet on the ground, skills on the ground, resourcing on the ground to manage the additional geography logistics that we were going to be taking on so that's what I did yeah it sounds like you became the real insight of the real local knowledge you know you had the network you then had employees on the ground and were you still living in the UK and traveling yep. back and forth yeah I had obviously I so I had my initial two buy to lets or you know, rent quality lets but I then also bought a a base property for me there, mm-hmm. which I never rented out. And it was my kind of bolt hole when I needed to go to Cyprus to work for a couple of weeks or a few months or whatever I decided to do when we were really busy project managing lots of properties being furnished. So I had a good base. Yeah. And that was in the Coral Bay area of of, of, of Paphos. But in between, you know, I built a really good team. And when I looked for my team, I looked for people either with hospitality or property management experience. Obviously, being able to speak Greek would have been very, was very helpful on the, on the island, although yeah. they do speak very good English. And I looked and people was a really good attitude to hospitality, to really going above and beyond for guests. Because as we all know, Jen, things don't work five days a week. Things operate seven days a week, 24-7. And the other thing I wanted to make sure we could offer was 24-7 support if people needed it. And we did. And there were a number of occasions over the time I was there where that really was a very big USP because not many companies worked over the weekend and very few companies offered 24-7 support to guests. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Because like you said, the guests are there 24-7. You know, yeah. they need, yeah. they have an issue in the middle of the night, they need somebody to contact. Yeah, and flights yeah. come in at funny times of the day and night, you know, all days of the week. And, you know, it's inevitable that they'll arrive at 1 a.m. and for some reason they can't get in or they, you know, something's happened or they can't find their way. Nothing ever looks the same in the dark. So, you know, I was always the backup position, you know, because of the time difference. I was always there on the backup position if someone couldn't get hold of somebody. So, yeah, you you work seven days a week, 24-7 if you need to, because that's the investment you put in your business, isn't it, at the time? And as you scaled this business, did this business start to take over from your marketing business? Did that business start Absolutely. to take so, a yeah. uh, About, I think it was probably about, within about the first 12 months, I recognized that this was growing legs much faster than I expected it to. 
And so I spoke to my business partner, UK, and I said, you know, how do you feel about buying me out of the marketing agency so that I can concentrate wholeheartedly on this? Because I don't, I think it's because I come from an entrepreneurial family and my family were very service orientated family. Mm-hmm. And my father had brought us up to be very service focused that I had the real passion for this. Even though I didn't come from the hospitality sector, I definitely had a passion for looking after people. And so that's what I did. I sold my share in my marketing agency and Michelle took that business on. And I then was able to completely focus on growing the business and, you know, investing my time in the skills of my team, the processes, the systems, all those things that you needed when you're going to grow a business that's growing like so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And such a testament to your father with him saying to you to, to invest in a property from the start, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was a struggle. I remember I was a, a fairly low paid civil servant in the UK. I was very young. And I can remember saying to my dad, but dad, I haven't got any money left at the end of the month. Now all my money's going on my mortgage and my bills. And he said, yeah, but you'll, you'll, you'll thank me later. You know, you may not appreciate it now, but you will. And I actually made money on every single property I bought and sold in the UK, every single property. And that allowed me to release equity to buy the next one and the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I funded, you know, the deposits on the properties in Cyprus. So, you know, yeah, all thanks to my dad, you know, that's, that was a good piece of advice for sure. Very, very good piece of advice. I wish someone had given me that piece of advice too. <laughs> yeah, because you were you were making money as you went along, weren't you? Yeah. And, and yeah, building absolutely. up that nest egg so that you could yep. then, when the yep. opportunity came along, you were able to jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always, and that's the other thing is, you know, one of the things that you'll know when you scale a business is it's very money cash hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started looking at, you know, just my salary bill, the months were enormous, you know, and, you know, and paying contractors, you know, contracts mm-hmm. need to be paid on time. And I think that's something that, you know, if you don't come at it with a plan, financially, your business could drive you if you don't have a financial cash flow plan for funding it. And it's quite seasonal. So even if you did rely on contractors, there's going to be months in the year, you're going to need high cash flow. And other months of the year, the shoulder season, for example, you may not have quite the same levels of activity, but you still got to fund these very high periods of of cash. And then you were definitely in a great position when this when this idea came about. You were in the right place. Yeah. Also mentally, because I was speaking with Yvonne Helling in last week's episode, yeah. and we were talking about the the mindset of being a professional in this industry rather than a hobbyist. And yeah. I can see that you were already an entrepreneur, you already had your own business. So when this opportunity came about, you probably didn't have, did you have any of those sort of hangups as you were, as you were creating this? No, I think, I think because I'd already set up another limited company, you know, setting up the company was not in any way an, an intimidating prospect for me. I came from, a, I had a commercial contracts background before that. So I was always about doing things properly. Systems and processes, I'm a pretty organized, detail-driven type person. Relationship building, something I think I do quite well at. So like people always say, you know, I'm a natural connector. And when you are that person, you just go out and build those. You look for those people that you need to work with. You identify the people that are, are very similar in values to yourself. And you go, we could work together. And, and don't be shy of asking that question, you know, would you like mm-hmm. to work together? The other thing was I never really worried about competition, which sounds really arrogant, but it wasn't that. 
I just wasn't on the ground enough to worry about it. I just got on with what we were doing and realized the cake is big enough for everybody to have a piece of it. Just let them get on with what they're doing. We just do what we're doing. And there, there was never a clash at all with any competitors. And also, I guess, with social media, you know, we're now run by so much social media, overrun by it, really. We can see so much of what other people are doing. And we start getting into our own head and imposter syndrome creeps in and all that. But I can see from a few years ago when you were doing that, you didn't have those temptations in social nope. media. Nope. And nope. you could just stay in your lane and do what yep. you were we were yeah. doing. And and I have on my wall, you know, be so good that they can't ignore you. And I said to my team, you know, if you deliver everything and more that you promise your clients, they'd have no reason to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They'd only go somewhere else if you didn't deliver what you said you were going to deliver. So, you know, that was always my thing, you know, look after them now. It's not just about now. You want them to stay with you and you don't want them to just book once. You want them to book again and again and again. So the aspiration was always get the first booking, but make it so good they're going to come back to you next time. And they do. And they did. And they still do. Great. And so let's talk a little bit about your booking. So you'd set up this, you did the, you know, end-to-end service, which it sounds really, really exciting that an investor could come to you and say, okay, here's my empty shell of an apartment. You do everything, which, you know, I think is probably quite an a dream for people who are wanting to have a larger property management company, because I think a lot of times people come with, you know, saying this is our property. You can't change anything, you know, which is a completely different mindset and whole other thing that you have to deal with. So you said that the rental part of it was the last part that you layered on. So can you talk a bit about how that came to be? Because we're talking pre-Airbnb. So yeah. Let's dig into that a bit. Yeah, so I, I was very fortunate that I, as you say, had some influence with the owners in terms of what, how we furnished and presented and styled their properties because I had a really good understanding, even in some areas that were not really well established. I'm talking about your outside of the centre of Paphos areas that weren't very well known. I could see where I thought those markets were going to appeal to a particular profile of customer. So with that in mind, I made sure that we, we created a product that was going to appeal to them. And I made sure I had a really good photographer. So I kind of was able to control all of those elements to make sure that what we got at the end of it was going to appeal. And then I started, so social media existed. So I did, you know, I had the basics, the Facebook and the rest of it. But actually most of the business came through referrals. So, you know, working with people who knew of people, you know, or friends and family who needed somewhere to stay or even local people on the ground who would have friends and family come to stay regularly. So Cypress seems to be one of those places that once people fall in love with the place, they just keep going back. And I've had people started on holiday and then got married there and then they'd go back for their, you know, their anniversary or their birthday. So once you've built that relationship with somebody, you've got a connection to all sorts of other people that will spread the word for you. They will be your ambassadors for your business. And that's what we tapped into, you know, whether it was, you know, a local estate agent who could refer people to us or a local travel agent. We, we tapped into the Russian market, the Greek market, because in Cyprus, it's quite funny. So people who live down the other end of the island will come up to Paphos for their main summer holiday. And they oh, want wow. somewhere to stay. So they don't, it's only a couple of hours, but they actually literally would rather go to the other end of the island for their main summer holiday than go abroad. So uh, we, we've built relationships, not just with, you know, 
travel agencies and through our own sort of social media presence. We've also built relationships with local people who might live at the other end of the island who will typically go to Paphos and the island for their summer holidays. There's like a three-week window in August and the Greeks all shut down, everything shuts down. And they won't go abroad. They will come to the Paphos end of the island. And what's really lovely is that, you know, we weren't just marketing to your international market. We were marketing to a local domestic holiday market too. And they still come back to us even now. And I, and just even in the last week, I've had people come back to me. And yes, and today I had a phone call from a chap in Israel who spoke to me in 2019, who bought a property in Paya, who needed an extra accommodation for his family, who phoned me. They arrived tomorrow night and okay. I, I gave them somewhere to stay. And that was from a conversation in 2019. I think if you make an impression on somebody and you're helpful, you will leave a lasting impression and they will come back to you. And it was that that I've always banked on, really, is always going the extra mile and always responding quickly and always saying, yes, I can help you and finding a way of, of helping somebody. Yeah. And without sounding too woo, you know, but that that air that you, you know, that sort of vibe that you give off of being helpful and considerate, you know, rather than this is how I want to make money. Let's get more heads on beds, you know. Yeah. I just want, I just want your your money, you know. Yeah. So I think, yeah, showing that you're hospitality focused, I think, yeah, it really shows. I'd say, I would say heart-led. I've always said this, and I have this conversation even when I've been mentoring people in businesses. I've always said, lead with service and your heart and the money will come. Don't focus on the money, focus on what you can do to help people and deliver that amazing service and experience. And you will get their, you will get their loyalty and they will pay for that service. We, we were never, interestingly, as a management company, we were never the cheapest on the island ever, 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 ever. But it didn't stop people working with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Now, Lisa's coming to speak the third Direct Booking Success Summit, which is coming up next month. October 3rd to 5th, 2023. So if you're listening to this in the future, you've missed it. But tell us a little bit about what you're going to be speaking on during the summit. So I'm going to be talking about how I scaled my own property management business from naught to 175 properties, but I did it in another country from the UK. So I didn't I was never based in Cyprus when I scaled that business. I operated that business for 18 years remotely from the UK, operating a team based on the island. So that's what I'm going to be talking about, how I did it, all the strategies I used, all the, you know, all the things that helped me to make that possible. Yeah. And I guess, spoiler alert, part of it is going to be about, you know, those connections that you've made. Yeah, for sure. And those connections go an awful long way. You know, you you cannot run a business of that size, even in the same piece of land that you stood on, without a lot of really good people. But trying to do that from another country, if things go a bit pear-shaped, which they inevitably do from time to time, if you have any major emergencies, which we had several of them, we had earthquakes, we had major disasters that hit us while we were running that business. You know, you can't do that without a really good team of people around you. And that's a really big part of your strategy. Yeah. Whenever I hear of somebody wanting to run a business that isn't in where they're living, you know, the first thing I said, okay, well, who's on the ground? You know, yep. who's yep. your team? Now, yep. you know, I've still got my, I'm in Canada now. I've still got my business in England, you know, 
I'm, yeah, I'm trying to run it from here, but I've got people on the ground that I can depend on. If there's an issue or whatever it is, they're going to take care of it for me because I physically can't be there. You no, know? And, and sure as what I say, sure as eggs is eggs, the more properties you have, the more concentration of guests you've got staying, statistically, you're going to get more problems. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And what did you scale to? 200 and? To 175. 275. So yeah, I can, I can just see there was quite a few problems that, that would have crept up. So, so 175, not 275, 175. 175. But even so, 175 properties over an island, logistically. And, you know, and all, all, you know, all requiring different levels of support. You know, you're talking about sort of very high end large villas that could have been used for weddings and retreats to, you know, very expensive villas in, in golf resorts that have like five star golf resorts where people have very high expectations of their stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did you, how did you, did you change your strategy or did, how did things impact you when Airbnb did come on the market? Well, you know, like everybody, and I know you've spoken about this, you know, they can be part of your strategy, but you don't necessarily rely totally on them. So it was always about, well, we'll use them, but we'll convert people to directly book with us next time. You know, it doesn't, for the first time, if people don't know you, or they might use that as their vehicle. But I, but I pretty much say 98% of people would book directly with us if they booked again. And Airbnb, you know, like, I think they have their place. But I think the people that worked with us wanted that personal service. They didn't want to work. They didn't want to deal with people that they didn't know. They wanted to deal with you directly because what we were able to do is find out exactly why they were coming, what was important to them, what else they needed help with, you know. And we had the relationships with everything from baby equipment hire, wedding planners, photographers, disabled equipment hire, you know, all the food items they might need if they're arriving late wedding, birthday cakes, anything they needed, car hire, you know, airport transfers. We offered the whole thing. We managed everything for them. So it was easier if they came to us and we just dealt with it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No middle person there getting in the way. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. And then what sort of, so bring us up to speed about what you're doing now. Now you, you sold this business, didn't you? I did. When did you sell it? I did. So, okay, so Brexit was a great big help for that decision. (laughs) I can imagine. I think there are two things. So I actually started the business before Cyprus joined the EU. So we were using the Cyprus pound before they joined the EU. So, you know, I had had worked in Cyprus before they joined the EU, but, but, you know, but Brexit just added a whole nother layer of complexity in terms of double accounting, tax systems, all the rest of it. And, you know, after 18 years of operating a business seven days a week, I was honestly quite tired and it kind of limited some of the other things I could do. Yeah, I could spontaneously just disappear and travel somewhere really easily. And if I did travel, you know, I had to accommodate time zones, that kind of stuff. So I felt like it was, it was the, the writing was there to say, it's maybe time to give it a new home to a new owner and allow me to do some other things. So I started looking for a new owner probably about two years before I decided to sell. And I wasn't willing to just give it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I had to give it to somebody who was going to honor our relationships with our clients because I felt so responsible for them. I felt like I'd had the loyalty of all these clients for so many years. It was really, really important to me that I didn't just 
parcel them off. I was like, sorry, I'm done with you now. I've had my 18 years. I don't really care what happens to you. And I guess clients too is both sides. It's the homeowners, the investors, but also the guests, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that transition, that's probably one of the hardest things to do. It was the hardest email I ever had to write was to say things are changing because I felt so, I felt really at odds with the whole thing, really. I knew it was the right thing to do, but I felt very odds with doing it. And, but I finally made the decision to transition it to actually a member of my management team who did have a lot of experience in the right. business. She did come from a man- property management business in the UK before she arrived in Cyprus. And she was at the right time. Her son was growing up. She had the time to take it on more fully. And as part of the agreement, I kind of gave her 18 months of support to make sure that she wasn't alone dealing with this really big business. And the nice thing was the owners knew her, the property owners mm. knew her. So they didn't feel completely like, I'm dealing with somebody I don't know either. And yes, there's been a few kind of moments where they come to me instead of her and I kind of just nicely kind of point them back and say, you know, Sue will deal with it. Sue will deal with it. And just reassuring them that everything was fine. I think that was the the best thing we could have done was just to reassure owners that everything was just going to carry on as it did and they were going to be looked after. And I was Mm -hmm. still here in the background if there was anything that Sue needed, but actually she was more than capable of running the business. And that was 2021. So we're now nearly two years on and everything is is good. Oh, great. Yeah, I think, whoosh, I don't, I couldn't have thought of a better situation there. No, you know. I mean, it's like, yeah, it wasn't, an, it wasn't initially like they're staring at me, but it became apparent that that was the right thing. There were a couple of options on the table. I looked at them and I just didn't feel quite 100% about them. And I knew that Sue was a really, really good person. I knew she had a massive heart for, for hospitality and looking after people. So, yeah, while she didn't have everything, I always think, you know, whether they recruit for attitude and train for skill, really. And she definitely had the right attitude for looking after people and just continued to do that. So that I'm really pleased. Yeah. So that transition happened. And then I took a little bit of time out because I needed to take some time out. Well, of course. And well, you could have retired at this point. I could have done. I could have done. And put your feet up. Yeah. Put your feet up and relax. A lot of people thought I was going to do that. But, you know, anybody who knows my family and knows my entrepreneurial genes just knows that's just not going to happen. My husband tried to retire once and he gave up, went back to consulting. So I thought, well, if he's going to work, well, what am I going to do? So I I decided then, and people like saying, you know, the obvious thing to do, Lisa, is to utilize your years of experience to help other people. So again, it came back to the helping other people. And it was not about money. It was not about being the best, the biggest named person in this industry. It was just about saying, if you need some help, I can help you. And, I'm, and I'd really like to help you. So yeah, so the property management coach, or the holiday property coach and the property management coach was sort of born in sort of 2022. And I'm now working in two ways with people. I work one-to-one with some businesses. So I'm talking about your property management companies who want to scale, mm-hmm. who just need a bit of support and mentoring on a regular basis to help them through that process. And I do work with some one-to-one smaller businesses who are either very new to this and just don't know what they're doing. And and then I work with people who maybe started during the pandemic when it was relatively easy. And now they're realizing it's perhaps not quite so easy now that the world has reopened and the market is pretty competitive and they need a bit of help to kind of elevate their marketing and their visibility to to kind of do a bit better than they are. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you didn't retire. Because <laughs> then 
I think it is so, you know, I think I think you said this a few minutes ago that when you were talking about competitors on Cyprus, that there was enough business there to go around for everyone. Yep. And in our hospitality industry and in this sector, it is wonderful to have people that are like-minded, that we are, we can support each other. And also we're not out there trying to tell people how to get rich quick. No, that's something I'm really, really feel very strongly about. I get really frustrated when you see these kind of you don't need any money. You don't need any experience. You just go and get a property and you stick it on Airbnb and everything's fabulous. But I'm like, really? No, it's not like that. And I, I think it's a shame really because, you know, those of us who've been in this business for a while just know the ups and downs and the realities of what it really takes. And I keep saying, you know, actually getting a booking is the easy part. Looking after your guests, delivering the experience and keeping them happy is the hardest part of hospitality. And I think that's the bit a lot of these get rich schemes kind of quickly gloss over. Yes, definitely, definitely. But it's exciting. You know, it's all shiny and exciting. So I can see why well, people yeah, get taken in yeah. by it. But yeah. no, but, it's, it's, it is work, you know? Yeah. But I think, you know, I'd like to think that I attract those people with very similar hospitality values. And that's typically who I work with. People who genuinely are passionate about looking after their guests and they want to deliver that experience, they just don't have the experience to know what that looks like and how they actually do it. If you wanted to work, if you, if you're looking for a kind of, I'm an investor and I'm only interested in the return, I don't really care how I get it. They're not my ideal client. Mm -hmm. But they're a good, there's a good, they're a good place to, you know, they can still, what am I trying to say? They can still invest in property and have somebody else. Yes. For them. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you wanted to do it yourself, then there's some legwork that needs to be done to make it all happen. It doesn't just happen by buying it, getting someone to throw a load of furniture on it, stick it on Airbnb. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think it's the education of, uh, to people that realize what goes on behind the scenes. And it's not as yeah. easy as it, as it seems to be. No. <laughs> no. No, not at all. And I can't imagine at 175 properties doing that at that scale. I think that is really, it's commendable. It really is for the work that you've put into it. And now being able to help others, I think it's it's wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. I, I, get, a, I get a lot of pleasure out of working with people. You know, there's nothing nicer than working with somebody and just seeing them make progress. You know, mm. all the light bulb moments when they... You know, you can see their skills developing and their portfolio growing and when they have great reviews and get, it's just, it, there's just something about that that gives me a really good feeling when I see other people doing really well. Yeah. No, I'm the same. I absolutely love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Now, yeah. I cannot let you go without asking you, what does direct booking success mean to you? I feel it's about creating or building a a good brand, a brand that attracts your ideal client like a magnet, that when they see it, they feel trust, they can see professionalism, and that it's easy for them to book with you directly. That's what I think it means to me. Brilliant. Thank you, Lisa, so much for coming on today. I can't wait to have you as part of the summit. As again, 3rd to 5th of October, head to directbookingsuccesssummit.com, the longest name ever for a website, but head there to get your, your free ticket. It's a free online summit. It's the third one in three years, so it's going to be great. 
Now, I'm going to put your links in the show notes, but where can people connect with you? So I'm on most of the social media platforms, Facebook, The Holiday Property Coach, Instagram, The Holiday Property Expert. I've got my own website, theholidaypropertycoach.com. I have a Facebook page. I'm very happy to connect with people. I love connecting with people. So Lisa Rhodes. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn under Lisa Rhodes of The Holiday Property Coach. And if anybody wants to connect with me, I'd be very happy to connect with them. Brilliant. And you've got a little offer too, do you? For I do. So I have a signature program called the five P's of a successful short-term rental. It's, it's foundations that I believe people need to get right to get everything else right. And it's a six-week program and I'm offering your listeners a 10% discount on that program. Brilliant. So we'll put that in the, sh- in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Lisa, and we'll see you at the summit. I'm looking forward to it very much. And thank you very much, Jen. It's been a great pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website, directbookingsuccess.com slash podcast. See you next time.